Hello, and welcome to another episode of Screen Bites, our thought leader series where we learn from industry experts about the latest trends and challenges from across the conversion TV space. I'm your host, Michael Beach. This week, I'm joined by Simon Andrews. Simon is the founder of Addictive and the publisher of Mobile Fix, which is a must-read newsletter that I highly recommend. In our talk, we cover the future of agencies, along with the convergence of commerce and video advertising. Please enjoy my conversation with Simon Andrews. All right, Simon, thanks for joining us today. Pleasure to be here, Michael. Excellent. Where, where do we find you today? I'm in sunny Hackney in East London. Oh, excellent. Well, everyone calm down from the, uh, the soccer Super League uh, uh, uproar? Yeah, we found out today that the teams are going to pay £20 million compensation to grassroots football, which is good. Um, and we're now gearing up the Euro starts this weekend. So you know, we've now got the national team to worry about, which we tend not to do that well, but um, it'll be fun. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll start you off with an icebreaker um, that we ask kind of all our guests. Um, you know, what was your first job and kind of what learnings did you take away from it that you applied to your career? It's interesting. I had to think back. My first job was actually um, a lemonade salesman. So in the UK, this is a long time ago, we had um, basically this company had trucks and would drive to people's houses and sort of sell them lemonade and pop and different things from there. And I got this job as a Saturday job, which then grew into a Sunday job as well. Um, and it was really interesting because I got the job, I got paid a basic sal- you know, a wage, which wasn't very much, but I also got commission. And what I really learned, was you're seeing the same people every week, you're talking, they're buying the same products every week, but you're selling. And I sort of learned that actually getting on with people is important, listening to them, taking signs and selling. And it's one of the things I think sometimes we miss if people don't work on the selling side now. I think they under, you know, don't understand how important selling is. So I learned that at a very young age, getting people to sort of you know, buy a bit more from you or whatever is you know, a very good skill. An entrepreneur from the start. Well, working somebody else, but you know, getting paid commission is actually right, quite enriching. Right up to Christmas, I did really well that year. I oh, love it. Well, how'd you get your start in the media space? Well, I just decided, uh, I don't really understand quite what happened, but I decided I wanted to work in advertising. I was living in Leeds, which is a sort of like a you know, medium-sized city in um, the UK. All of the advertising industries in London, there's not much else from there. But I wanted to work in advertising. I started reading all the job ads and everything to do with advertising I applied for. And one for a media planner, I got an interview and the guys told me it'd take me about six or eight weeks to learn it and I'd be an expert. Um, I never heard from them ever again. But two weeks later, someone advertised for a media executive, and I went and told them what I'd learned at the first one, and I got the job. So I was working in media in advertising. I hadn't really understood the different disciplines or different types of jobs, but um, enjoyed it you know, very much. And then what happens in the UK, I think it's a bit like the States. You know, at some point, you have to go to the big city to you know, um, learn how to do it properly. So after about two years in Leeds learning the trade, I moved to London and worked in media sort of on and off ever, ever since. Well, that's great. I know, um, you know, kind of, you know, currently at Addictive today, would you mind giving our, our, our audience kind of a little bit of background on, on Addictive and kind of what, what projects you're focused on? So we started Addictive just over 10 years ago as a mobile agency. I left WPP, really excited about mobile, and was convinced that we're going to see the same trajectory we've seen with, um, you know, the web that I'd been involved in that like 10 years earlier. Um, so we started Addictive, we partnered with a very cool company in Sao Paulo who are great engineers who are building apps for us. But over time, we realized that there's not a huge amount of money to be made in building apps for people. The more interesting thing was the strategy. So we morphed into more of a strategy firm. Um, and what's over time, we still do strategy and consulting. We've started this media area, which is really 
the work we're doing, trying to educate people about how things are changing. You know, the pace of change continues. There's so many things going on. So we started a newsletter 10 years ago to update people about that. And we still do the newsletter. We do events and we've got a community around there. Um, and then with the consultancy, there tends to be two areas we're very interested in right now. One is merchant media. So the idea that people, you know, Amazon's a prime example, but you tie media spend to the places where I think people are buying things. And so rather than advertising you know, on Yahoo or on Facebook, you're advertising on Amazon or, or um, you know, Instacart. Very interested in that space. And the other thing that's a passion is trying to improve creativity in advertising. Because in digital, we know all the fabric works really well, all the plumbing works really well, but the ads are terrible generally. And we also know that if you improve the ads, it makes the plumbing work much, much better. So the best way of unlocking your media budget now is better creative. So that's a big passion for us and trying to do more projects around that. Excellent. I want to definitely dig into, you know, kind of the intersection of mobile and commerce more in a little bit. But, you know, interested with your background, you know, 20 plus years and launching five agencies, you know, what do you think, um, you know, what do you think agencies should be focusing on in 2021? So I'm still a big fan of agencies. If you go back to Mad Men, that idea of a bunch of really smart people are going to sit and listen to your problem and solve it for you is a fantastic model. But what's happened is, you know, the Mad Men, all the rest of them, have turned to greater or lesser extent into factories. Whatever your problem, they're going to tell you the answer is what they produce in their factory. TV commercial, a web plan, SEO plan, Facebook ads. And I think that advertising agencies you know, need to be about understanding what's changing. People don't change, but the tools that we say live the life change, understand how things are changing and how you can apply advertising to work across those areas and avoid that being a factory. Because once you're a factory, you can make a lot of money, but you're sort of, you know, you're slowly dying because the market for TV spots, websites, SEO is diminishing as more people get serviced with those. So try to understand what are the new opportunities where you could apply that great advertising skills on get people to do what you want. Well, on that note, as you look forward, you know, say five or ten years from now, you know, what does the what do agencies look like? I think they go back to being smaller again. I think that you know the the in-housing thing is interesting, but I think the idea you don't need an awful lot of people to do this. We have this model: architects and artisans. So architects know how to build things. So if you're um, you know, some world-class architects, you understand how Ovarup can now build very tall buildings or very different buildings. You understand the principles of the, you know, the craft that's involved from there. But you partner with the people who do that craft. So we're you know, very much we're architects. We know how to do some stuff. Like we can buy Facebook ads. We can build a website, whatever. But we'd rather partner with people who are experts at that, the, the artisans that are really good at their craft, and find that you know, balance between those two things. We'll help with the architecture. We'll help you find the right artisans to do that. And I think in the future, you'll see agencies more in that architect space and go to a production company or a media company, you know, and have them execute the craft skills. <clears throat> so is that you know, similar to kind of a bigger version of a consultancy or is there a, still a gap there that the agency needs to fill? I think... The, the, the gap between consultants and agencies isn't as big as people make out. They're both very smart people. I think agencies at best have that, you know, understand the power of creative. I think consultants understand the power of logic and data. And obviously, there's a happy medium between the two of those. But if you try to work out how do you identify someone, the DNA of an agency is about creativity. The DNA of a consultant is about that data and understanding, I think. So there's a little bit of a gap between them still. 
Excellent. Well, I want to go back to, again, kind of the intersection of mobile and commerce. You know, you've written a lot lately about TikTok and, you know, you appear to be bullish on kind of the value that provides marketers today. I guess I got a two-part question there. First, you know, do you think the market fully understands the value of a, of a platform like TikTok enough um, as they launch an ad offering that, uh, you know, will, will the marketer look at them more like Facebook or Twitter and Snap? And then second, uh, you know, do you think their algorithmic feed will, you know, help the user experience um, as kind of their, their amount of content explodes um, you know, as marketers fully adopt the platform? That's a great question. Yeah, fascinated by TikTok because it's blown up so quickly. It's so big. It shapes culture in so many ways now. Um, but I don't think many brands or marketers understand it because it's really hard to get into. When you go to TikTok and just sit there scrolling through things, it's really hard to understand what it's about because it's so varied. And that algorithmic you know, knowledge they've got, the expertise they've got, is really going to surface in lots of different things. But it's very hard to work out, well, what is this? And then when you start, you suss it out, you find you talk to a friend and they've got a completely different take on it because they're seeing different content from there. So I think it still needs more understanding. People get the scale, but don't really understand the nuances of this, you know, in the little corners you find, so book TikTok or chef TikTok, etc., and how, how strong those things are from there. I think that converting that to advertising, you know, they followed the Facebook playbook, they've hired lots of people who've been at Facebook and Snap, etc., from there, and they're going down that route. The algorithm does make it more difficult because I don't think we're going to see a time when there's as many ads in the feed as there is on Facebook, because I think that would become overwhelming because of the way you, you can't scroll past them quickly. You know. um, so I think you know, what they do now is quite interesting. You, people pay you know, quite a pretty price for the, seeing the first ad that someone sees when they start a TikTok session. I think that scarcity of advertising will continue to be a thing. You'll pay a lot of money on TikTok to be one of the few ads that get seen by people rather than your reasonable money to be one of the many ads seen by people. And I think that sort of idea that, you know, it's an ad more of an occasion, not an occasion, but more special because you don't see too many ads is a way of balancing that out. Whether they can pull that off, I don't know, but the algorithm should be able to find the perfect ad for you and the perfect ad for me. And I think advertisers will pay for that, you know, that per perfection of targeting, if, if you call, can call it that. I love that. We talk so much about the, you know, the incremental value in targeting, but, you know, you probably don't look at enough of the incremental value of being, uh, you know, first in a, you know, really scarce environment on, in digital, you know, that's kind of traditionally just been used in, to justify the pricing in television. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you look at the mobile web or the you know, desktop web, sites are so cluttered now with so many ads chasing every possible ad dollar, they've turned the customer experience really, you know, into a nightmare. I think smart people going forward will realize, let's respect the customer um, because, you know, we're going to have less ability to target them. We have less data on them. So we need to respect them as strangers, for want of a better word. But, you know, show them the ad we think is most appropriate and then hold off, you know, showing them loads of other ones as well. There's a discipline needed there, which I wonder how many people are able to exercise. Excellent. You know, and another, you know, you, you coined the term new TV, uh, which is fantastic. Um, do you see, you know, commerce-enabled, creative, and video kind of on the brand marketing uh, truly converging, or will they be separate disciplines in the future? And kind of going back to, to the agency of the future, you know, are ag agencies built to handle this? Um, I'm not sure agencies are built to handle this. 
yeah, it's a bit of a nonsense, this whole idea of long-term and short-term and brand and performance. You know, if I'm spending some marketing money, I'd like to see my sales happen tomorrow. The average CMO stays in the job 15 months. So the idea that a CMO is going to spend a lot of money now for, you know, brand um, value 20 years down the line, I think it's just, you know, it's a sales pitch for people who sell TV commercials. You know, the, the favourite thing about, you know, if you see an ad from Mercedes, but when you can afford it, it's too late. But kids don't grow up loving Mercedes because they're bad. They grow up because Janis Joplin sings about them or they see it in a fantastic movie or they see one parked on the road. You know, advertising long term is builds up, but you've got to have it delivering value in the short term. So I think that whilst you know, that allows performance marketing to be sometimes a bit brusque, a bit brutal, um, but knowing that something's working is really important. If it's got a long term value as well, that, that's even better. But yeah, you know, I, I think you need to pull the two things together. And the idea that, especially as video becomes you know the first choice for everybody, because why wouldn't you use video if you can? The idea that there's some videos brand the long term and some videos perform the short term just feels like a false construct to me. But having said that, your question is very personal because I don't think many people in agencies can think about it like that. They tend to look at one or the other from there. Yeah, it definitely seems to be a, a legacy of how they're structured. You know, and one thing we find is that. You know, a lot of times when we get into the team that handles, you know, the brand marketing, they really have no idea where, uh, you know, the agency or brand, you know, how their CRM data functions or, you know, how any of those, those elements that you'd use in more of a, a um, <clears throat> kind of more of a direct marketing uh, element even works. So I'm interested to see how that those two worlds converge. I think that, you know, you're right. I know I'm sensible, but I want to know as much as possible about this company before I start doing something. And if you come from, and I'm being a bit unfair to television, if you come from the world, we're going to buy impressions that reach everybody so all the time, and the people who like it will find their way to the, um, you know, the, buy the product. You don't need to do that work. That laziness, which it really is, you know, it's just going to go away. You know, you're going to target. In the future, I'm not going to run one ad for everybody because I'll have the tools to actually show. We worked on um, a diaper brand. And we worked out they spent £10 million a year advertising, 90% which was wasted because the people who were seeing the TV ads didn't have young children anymore or no connection with young children. Yeah. The economics of that don't make any sense. Because if you say, okay, I'll save you a million dollars and eliminate all your wastage, there's a huge amount of value for the broadcaster there. The brand's happy. The people are happy from there. So I think we're going to re-see people think about how you can use targeting at that sort of macro level to just eliminate wastage. And that throws up lots of value for people. Absolutely. Well, you have more of a high-level question. You know, what's one major thing in the media space that you think is really important that, that nobody's talking about? Creative. The world of media and creative is very separate these days. Um, and I think while people respect the importance of each other, they don't really have the relationships or the language to really to, you know, partner those two things together. So mobile is you know, this amazing tool. It's everyone's remote control to life. They do everything on there. But the ads we serve up on Facebook or on display or, or whatever tend not to be very good. And if you, you know, if you imagine if you took the average ad that you see on your mobile and that was on your linear TV and that, it'd be a revolution. You know, people would be burning the TV sets because there's so many terrible ads. So I think that getting that better balanced and, you know, the importance of creative being seen and um, respected, I think, is a big thing. Excellent. We, we touched on it earlier, yeah, but you put together a you know, fantastic newsletter fix. Uh, we'll make sure to, to link to that. And it's a you know, must read for our team. And you kind of provide a, a lot of insight on a wide range of topics. You know, wonder if you'll give us a little sneak peek. You know, what do you think the big stories are to watch the, the rest of the year? Well, I think that the thing that you know, we're all 
focused on is you know the whole privacy thing. So from GDPR, California, you know, um, cookies coming out of Safari, you know, the whole IDFA is now Google. Things that we found this week, you know, that you won't be able to use um, IP addresses. So all the fabric of the things we've been you know, built the business doing are all melting away. Um, and yes, you know, does anyone care that Facebook make less money? Probably not. But actually, you know, advertising fuels our economy. If you're Ford, you can only employ thousands of people to make cars. If people want to buy the car, so they have to do that. If you're NBC, you can only afford to ha have all the people do all those shows if advertising pays for all that. And if you're a person trying to work out, well, what do I want to watch, etc. You know, what do I want to buy, go on holiday, buy my new car, etc. Ads work really well. And when we play around with the fabric and that make it harder to do that, we hurt lots of people. And I think that um, the idea that one company, Apple, is able to exact this you know, impact on so many other companies because their business model doesn't require them to worry about advertising just seems a little bit unfair and unusual. And one wonders if regulators at some point start to look at you know, that as an issue that, um, yeah. So there's something we know about it. I think there's a long way to go before we get some resolution of what happens next and how do we cope with this and what the ramifications are for everybody. Excellent. We'll, we'll get you out of here on uh, you know one more question that we ask all of our guests. Um, you know, if, if you could have everyone on your team read one book right now, what book would it be and, and why? So I'm going to go back to one of my favorites. Um, I got a job at Direct Marketing Agency about 25 years ago, and I'd always worked on brand advertising agencies. I've been very sniffy about direct marketing. But I took this job. It looked interesting. It was an interesting client. I asked for a reading list. And it gave me this pile of books from David Ogilvy and Lester Wonderman and Stan Rapp. And I just was blown away by them. But the one that I really you know, rate, Claude Hopkins, My Life in Advertising. So here's a guy in the 1920s, 1930s, who's you know, moving around the Midwest of the United States, just you know, helping people sell stuff by having great ideas. And very quickly, my favorite example, he got charged with um, building sales of Koetsu, which is a meat um, derivative product used for cooking. Um, I think it was in Chicago. He found out that um, the local department store, Rothschilds, had a refit and had a spare floor they hadn't used yet. So he went there, persuaded them to build the world's biggest cake, bake the world's biggest cake, using this coat suet from there. Then ran out to the local newspaper, telling come and see the world's biggest cake. If you bought some suet, you've got a chance to guess the um, weight of the cake and you could win something fantastic from there. So here was a campaign that used lots of different tools. Um, and now would be TikTok and experience or whatever. But he just used whatever great idea was available to actually execute a great idea. And I love that simplicity. We have a good idea. What could we do? Who do we involve to make that a fantastic event for people that will drive some sales as well? So Claude Hopkins, highly recommended. That's a great recommendation. Well, Simon, I've been, uh, enjoyed our conversation. And I know that our, our audience is going to love the talk. Um, yeah, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the invitation, Michael. It's really interesting to chat with you. Um, interesting questions got me thinking, um, you know, and look forward to seeing, you know, with all the work you do, how these things flow out in the coming months. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Screen Bites. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. You can find out more about CrossGreen Media at crossgreenmedia.com. And please don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter, State of the Screens. You can find us on social media at Media. Join us next time for more insights and analysis straight from the experts.